want to get back your weekends on the farm, want to go on that holiday, want to do those one percenters that you never get around to. Well, g'day and welcome to the Farms of Ice podcast where we cover everything farming. Before the end of the episode, we want to make sure that you've subscribed to yourself and this podcast. Help this farmer-led podcast help other farmers do just that. You know, as they say, time is money, so let's get into this episode. Before we get started, just to let you know, this episode is intended to be general information only, as the host and the guests do not know your personal circumstances, so please go and talk to your own accountant or the team at Biofields to get the right information for your scenario. Let's get into this episode. But they tend to put their head in the sand, never really sort of move anywhere with it, probably because they don't really know. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice podcast. Today is beyond the tax return with the team at Biofields there. We've got Simon Boyd in the studio today and we'll be talking about what I think is the most important topic. Before you implement any ag tech, you sort of need to have these conversations as well um, and the continuance of these conversations is so important for Australian family farms. Um, if you can take something out of this, please do. Um, let's get the ball rolling on Australian family farm succession. The reason that I sort of thought about this topic was because I deal with this quite a bit and a lot of my clients don't really understand what's involved. They know that um, that it's something that they have to do and they want to do it but they tend to put their head in the sand, never really sort of move anywhere with it, probably because they don't really know like the quantum of what's involved and like how difficult it's going to be. So I found that I was talking them into getting the ball rolling a lot and then I thought, oh, I may as well just be, you know, saying this to the wide world rather than just to them. found myself like repeating myself over and over again. (laughs) So hopefully this will like help a few people to breach through that sort of boundary as well themselves. Yeah, I think every little bit helps and for succession as a topic, just to sort of rehash, go back to it. And as that reminder, three months down the track, farmers forget what they're doing out in the paddock, let alone in the office. Communication <laughs> with the family is not always the best or what they're great at um, for it. So it's always good to rehash it. We may as well just kick it off here, Simon. Um, for the episode and get a move on on this topic. Much yep. you've been working within it a little bit. Tell us well, what's it looking like over there coming from, we're looking at the boomers um, sort of passing on, hopefully, their, their businesses, their livelihoods, but also that relationship from getting it, what you said. Um, they know they have to do it, but how do we create that sort of, environment that they want to do it um and to do it successfully okay well the biggest thing that we're noticing is actually probably the value of all the farmland has gone up yeah um so the amount of money that they're dealing with has expanded in line with that um and also the complexity of their operations is increased as well um which from their point of view might make it a bit harder for them to to start the ball rolling 
Um, a key point of that, I think, is to make sure that they actually understand their structure themselves and of their own business and also of their land holdings and how it all fits together um, in terms of who owns what and when do they acquire it and what does that mean if you want to transfer that land on to someone else and what's actually involved with that. So by breaking everything down into small little pieces, just like any other job like you would have on your farm, how you break your tasks down or a big job down into small tasks, we do that as well break it down into little achievable pieces to then deal be dealt with one by one. And that goes a long way to sort of making the whole process a lot easier. Um, I think a key point that they're probably facing with that increase in land value is the concept of fairness. And by that, I mean um, dealing with how much are they going to give to their off-farm kids versus the kid that's taking over the farm. Obviously, with the value of the farmland going through the roof, is it fair that one child's getting access to 10 million plus worth of assets when the other one might only be getting, you know, just a house in town and maybe some money in super? Yeah. Um, so they're facing that sort of issue and there's ways around that. Um, an example of a way around that that we're seeing more and more of is that... Um, we're needing for some of the farmland to actually potentially go to an off-farm child who then leases it back to the farm. So they still have that ownership of the asset, but then the child that wants to farm has access to the production that it can create out of it. But it's always, it's tricky, <laughs> which is everything to do with the succession. It's always generally pretty difficult because there's that emotive part of it. Yeah. Um, but that's why we like doing it so much. It's not just the boring sort of tax returns and financials like everyone probably thinks that accountants like doing all that stuff, but mostly we don't. Um, it's kind of just something that we want to get done so that we can then use that to help make decisions with farmers about what actually matters to them. Um, so we get like a lot of reward out of doing succession planning. Um because it's difficult and because we know ultimately how important it is to farmers and just them sort of going through a clean process. And I guarantee the vast majority of them probably at the end of it, they think, oh, that was a lot better than I thought. There's always some roadblock or bump along the way, but that's to be expected when you're dealing with families and you've got to worry about all the relationship issues and the history that sort of can be dug up and like the value of the assets involved at the moment. So did that really answer your question or did I sort of talk around it? No, that's good. I don't think you could answer it wrongly. Um, <laughs> however you deal with succession, just because like coming down to family dynamics, uh, no family is the same. It's going to change. And whether or not like being equal, being fair, if that's the most sort of common sense or sensible um, way to go around, um, for someone to be living in the city, really good coin or something, and then be bought out or not be bought out. How does that sort of work um, for those, like creating that fairness, but also um, if you've got siblings that are living in town, they're doing quite well as well. Is there just a, a nod to for those family members to just, I don't know, sort of suck it up a bit? or? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think it's about managing expectations. And, and that goes back to communication always being key. 
which is easier said than done. I do recognise that. It's easy for me to sit in my office in the city and say, you guys need to talk to each other more and make sure you discuss everything. But when you've got families and, you know, there's other issues that I don't know about that are behind the scenes and it's a lot more difficult than I think. But just seizing every opportunity to talk about succession so that it's not just one sort of cliff edge event where, oh, we're going to do it now, let's make it happen. You make it so that it's always involved in every decision going forward. And a key example of that could be, let's say that you wanted to buy some farmland and the decision was, okay, we're going to make an offer. Which structure do we put it in? At that point, you should then be thinking about the succession plan overall. Does it go to a trust that is controlled by the kids so that we've, you know, we're doing a step towards succession at that point? Sort of small bits add up, like blocks building and pyramid. Um, but the, the idea of managing expectations is you have to also seize the opportunity at key points to actually discuss it with family members. Like, for example, an example of this could be that someone comes back on the farm. You know, they went away to uni. It's probably a common example. They might have done ag science or something at uni. And then they decided they want to come back to the farm. That's when they, the older generation is the one responsible. We should have that discussion with them and talk about the expectation. What are they actually working towards? Is this like with the idea that they're going to be here long term or are they just doing it because they're not really sure what they want to do themselves or they they want to see if they really like farming or you got it's all about that communication point of talking about what's involved and then ultimately that builds on um, making the whole sort of environment for it a lot easier. And I think also when you've got off farm kids that are included in it, um, and then there's that concept of what is fair. I think the expectation also applies to them. By the older generation discussing with the old farm kids, look, you know, you would probably would have heard that the value of the land's gone up through the roof and and that doesn't mean that you're necessarily like worse off. It's just that it's a it's just the value of the asset that still needs to be worked upon. As you know, Jack, you know, you can have all this land in the world, but you've got to be able to work it. If you don't have enough labor to satisfy it, it just means that you're too busy and it's sort of not really worth the the effort that you put in. So it's about like, and generally off farm kids know that because they've grown up on the farm. So they know what's involved and the long hours and the late nights and all that sort of stuff. So it is, it's it's that. I'll go back to that constant communication. Um, another thing that I've also seen with off-farm kids, which could be a good idea, might be you do sort of a succession plan with them early. And by that, it could mean that you pay them out some funds. Um, let's say that they're looking to buy a house and you advance them some money to from the farm to be used as a deposit. Small things like that can build to like, reducing a lot of angst that could arise later. Um, I would always recommend that you document things like that so that it's never forgotten. And you can also not only see the action that happened, but also the the intention of why it was done. So if there was a dispute down the line, you've got something to fall back on. Yeah, I was about to say that as instead of just being a gesture of goodwill, you probably like you need to document um, the journey 
as soon as it sort of happens because you might end up with a couple of houses in town or something and then you're still wanting your half of the farm or something or <laughs> even if they don't have all farm investments and stuff um look to go that way get them on board you said scenario before about purchasing a farm but if you're not as a family um scaling out you've already sort of got your your land that you're keen to stick with what's the sort of sticking point there the or the pivot point more so of um bringing on succession there because you don't have that transaction to bring on the trust for the kids or something like that what would be the yeah. how do you get started that way so so generally in that way the two drivers are the older generation basically wanting to scale back themselves you know they 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 want to like physically scale back generally is the they want to go traveling or they want to spend more time in town or at their holiday house or something like that and they drive the succession you know they want to get something rolling because they just want to cut back on the hours themselves um and the flip side of that is that the the next generation wants to you know take over and make more decisions um they want to have that sort of ownership ownership of the decision making i would say um cuz quite often what we see is that the next generation isn't all about trying to do like a sudden land grab where they grab all the assets and get a hold of everything as much as possible. It's more about the operation of the farm that they initially want to be involved with. They want to like make decisions and stick their neck out themselves and be responsible for the outcome and prove that they can do it their own way. And it doesn't mean that they want to kick mum and dad off the farm, but they just want to be able to take on the responsibility. And you see that through any business other than just farming. Like, you know, everyone wants to get promoted, but ultimately what they want is more responsibility, not just the pay rise that goes with it. They want that control of their own destiny. Now, an extension to that would be if they want to do some sort of borrowing themselves. Let's say that they want to buy their own house in town. They might have like, that's where the school is and they want somewhere like nearby so that when their kids go to school, they could use that or have their own off-farm investments. They need that security that they can borrow against rather than just having mum and dad sign off on everything. They want to be able to have that security, that land in their own name so that they can risk it. (laughs) They can, you know, like submit it for their own purposes of like growing their own destiny. And I think that those kind of, they're generally the two points at which we see the ball rolling. Um, You'll never generally have a succession plan come out of the blue just because the advisor thinks now, you know, now is the time to do it. It's always generally driven by what the farming families want themselves. It's a lot better to be proactive with it and always like have it in the back of your mind and do little bits and pieces of it, then have to do it because of a sudden life event, such as, you know, death in the family or a marriage breakdown or someone needs to leave the farm for medical issues or something like that. Just like anything in the world, as proactive as you can be, makes it all a lot easier. Yeah, 100%. And getting on that front foot um, as farmers is very important. For yourself, where, when and where do the accountants come into the scenario of succession? I've seen, and we are too, getting a third sort of party into um, 
mediate, not the yelling across the room, but just to make sure this is a smooth um, process, keeping the relationship sort of all happy and trembling along. Even if your scenario is happy as all Larry, um, I, I'd recommend getting a third party sort of voice in there that is detached, has no sort of emotion in your own sort of farming scenario. But when do you interject as an accountant? When are you sort of called upon um, to have your input as an advisor? Okay. So our role in this generally is there's two ways that I would describe it. One would be a mediator, a mediator, not a negotiator. We're not there to negotiate on behalf of one of the parties. If that's where we have that conflict of issue of interest that we're trying to avoid. Um if we we're in a situation where we felt like we were needing to be the negotiator, we'd probably look to get a fourth party involved so that we can even out the ledger a bit um, and possibly even a fifth and then we can step back from that role overall, um, which allows us to retain the second one, which is more of like a wedding planner role is a terrible way of describing it. But what I mean by that is, Succession planning is very much a team effort. Not only do you have each party to the transactions being the older and the younger generation, plus also some off-farm kids as well that are involved, you've also got uh, people such as that you should be using, such as financial planners that could be involved to help mum and dad work out how much they need for retirement and what that would look like and, you know, in terms of the yearly money that they need and the financial assets that they want to hold. And then on the incoming generation, you could have a, a like an ag consultant who would help them with assessing the viability of their farm going forward. If mum and dad needed to be paid out a lump sum, what would that look like on the farm budget? What can the farm realistically afford? Plus also you generally need solicitors involved to do all the legal sort of transactioning as well. And also you would have the bank managers involved because they need to provide to you what, is, what they're going to sign off in, in terms of extra debt and restructuring things. So by having all these people in play, you need someone to step back and be in control of everything, like a puppeteer pulling all the strings. Um, being the mediator and the cross point between everyone, but also a key thing is to keep pushing the whole process along. Because quite often, if that doesn't happen, you end up just going in circles and not actually ticking boxes off and achieving anything. It, like a succession plan can go from, yeah, let's do it. Let's get it sorted. What a great idea. Everyone's happy to very quickly, everyone just sitting on their hands and doing nothing. So our role quite often is to just be the one that's always in everybody's ears saying, look, where have you come to with this? What have you decided on this decision that you had to make? We give people homework and a strict timeline about what the expectation is that they make a decision and push them always towards action. So that's what I kind of see our role. Um, plus, we've also got to deal with all the technical stuff that's involved as well, like transfer duty and tax and potentially GST and income, CGT tax and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, so it's like where the the building foreman, I think it's probably the way to put it, probably better than a wedding planner. Maybe I should use that a bit more. 
Yeah, I, I think for like that project managing, you're dealing with all the trades coming yeah. into that one house, aren't you? Um, yeah. How it sort of plays out. What's what's common at the moment and like without all the jargon and whatnot, are you seeing like a family's excited for the younger generation to be coming in, um, having more input um, into it or like vice versa? Yeah, look, generally we are seeing that. Um, what we actually see is, from my point of view, I've seen that families generally are very excited to have a younger generation that are interested in the farm and that are coming back on the farm and, you know, continuing on their legacy at the risk of moving into the jargon territory, they're custodials of the land and they want to like pass it on to the next generation. Um, so they're excited to see that and also um, them embracing new farming techniques and technology and the world's a very rapidly changing place. And I think a lot of them like the fact that the younger generation is embracing that. And quite often they're amazed at the actual knowledge that they, that they do have. Um, stuff that they didn't actually teach them themselves. They just sort of went off and learnt it all themselves, which is like, that's great. Um, and also from the other point of view, I think that the younger generation still appreciate having the older generation around um, as they're sort of to be mentors and in a consulting role where they've always got someone to fall back on and ask their opinion if they need to. They might not be physically on the farm doing sheep work or fencing or whatever because, you know, they don't want to or they can't, but they're still there and the phone call away or a WhatsApp message and you, you you don't lose that knowledge out of the door because dad's retiring. You know, he's always still going to be there. Yeah, I think that's really good. Actually, a mate scenario, they've got quite a big sort of farming enterprise this one is and, so they finished their hard work at 65 off the tools, I believe it was. And then they're sort of in that mentor capacity for the next five years and then retirement's at 70 for anyone that leaves that board um, within that farming enterprise. I thought that was a quite a good way to look at it. Um, actually have those deadlines for yourself, but to look forward to them as well, um, that you're off the tools then. So so do they, do you know, do they ever feel like they're, being pushed out just because they're age, of their age or do you think that that's like a discussion that they've had and they agreed upon that's a suitable time for them to step back? Oh, no doubt they would, um, like, obviously you want to do as much as you can, but from 65 onwards, I'd be pretty keen once I get there. But I think, like, that was a joint agreement, um, very early stages for the family, um, passing it on, the older generations and so it goes on throughout those sort of farm manager roles, those higher level strategic thinking roles. Um, I think that's a really good, because they have, I don't know, 10 to 20 younger farm hands under them and how they sort of manage those. It might work really well for their system, but of course for those like one, two, three um, person teams on farm, um, this is probably where we're going towards for that succession and how it sort of works. With the, I know, up to 10 kids, I suppose, depends how busy we're in the early days. 
<laughs> well, I guess, like, I understand that if you were someone who's on the farm and you didn't really know when dad or the person above you, if you've got a complicated structure, is going to step away, having that sort of end point to work towards is a good thing as well because it gives you that sort of defined timeline of knowing, you know, like an apprenticeship, I can, but not not as strict as that, but like, you know, I've I've got someone to help me leading up to this certain date and then at least I know after that point I'll be able to be the one in charge and you can take ownership at that point. So I think that it probably is very suitable for like a large operation and also it keeps that sort of attrition going as well. A bit of like people leaving is important because it means that like new ideas are introduced and you don't get sort of stuck in your ways, which is important for a large organisation. But, yeah, you're right. For, like, a small family that only has, like, two or three of them, um, they often don't have the luxury of that, which brings me to another point. Because of the lack of labour, yeah. quite often we're finding that people feel like they can't step away because who's going to do, you know, who's going to drive the tractor if I'm away in Albany or Perth or whatever? So they feel like they have to be on the farm, like to help out. Um, so that can be a little bit difficult. Smaller operations, although they can be more flexible, it means that they have those issues to deal with as well. But on another hand, you sort of need to come up, come against those issues to deal with them and see if you can fly yourself as a younger person coming on the farm, taking it over. I think it's important that you learn that way as well. Um, that's just my experience anyway. Would that be how you how you learn? Would have been through making all those little mistakes over the way? In farming, I presume yeah, that definitely. would be trial and error. <laughs> yeah, definitely from the day-to-day -day stuff, you're always learning what to do. Um, poor decisions usually happen when you're rushed. I had one of those today. Um, I'll have to fix the pipe later. Um, but... 2023, I was sort of focusing on frameworks for our family business, but also for the podcast for the other family businesses out there. I think the other day, the stats ABARES had 144,000 farmers and managers um, now within the industry, I suppose. What's the sort of general processes, protocols um, that you have that you approach your clients with? In terms of... What's the like what's the starting process? How do you sort of get them initiated? To run the ball with succession planning? Yeah, is there a bit of a yeah. template we, So we have sort of developed like a tried and trusted tested formula um, of what has worked for us. And keep in mind that this is mostly farming families as opposed to like corporate organizations. Um and generally the way that we structure it is about being very careful with the meetings that we have. Um, so a first, it's not a cookie cookie cutter approach. So it very much depends on the, the the family that you're dealing with and the dynamic that you're already aware of. So that's why it's a lot easier to do this with a family that you've had an existing relationship for a decade than like a new client or a non-client that you're just sort of coming on board with because you can alter it a little bit. But generally, we meet with the older generation first, um, which I guess is logical because they're the ones that own the vast majority of the assets. So 
Um, they're the ones who are going to transfer it over. Um, and in that meeting, we asked them a lot of questions. Um, and a key point about this meeting is that it will only be the older generation. It won't be with the younger one in their younger generation in there at all. By having it separate, it means that they feel like they're freer to speak more or they can speak more freely about things. Um, and because of the amount of info that we're sort of pushing on them and asking for them, they feel like they're under a lot less pressure. Um, so generally in that meeting, I would run through their structure with them so that they understand how everything fits, both in terms of where all the land sits, where their off-farm assets are, who owns what, joint tenants versus tenants in common, in trusts versus in their own names, um, and how the farming operation also works as well. And I also do a bit of a scenario about what happens if you do nothing. Yeah. If you don't do any succession planning and you fall off the perch, how will it all sort of currently fall with your estate plans? How's that usually go down? Well, usually our estate planning should be on point, so we so it should fall how we want it to. Um, but that's in a like an ideal sort of situation. And and but what that actually does is, I with the complex structures that a lot of farms have got these days, where everything is generally in a trust or in a company. Quite often that succession has already been, like we said before, if you keep every decision with succession in mind, we've already done a lot of the work anyway. So that falling of assets as such, quite often all the balls will fall in the right holes anyway. So there's only a few that need to be dealt with. So so you, you can see the relief on their faces where they go, oh, that's, <laughs> that's a lot easier. <laughs> doesn't mean that we're just going to sit back and do nothing. It just means that we've only reduced the whole plan down to, okay, what do you actually need to deal with? And more importantly, what should they actually worry about? They don't have to worry about everything. They only have to worry about what's important. So that's part of our role of the foreman or the project manager is making sure that they're focused on, I don't want to use wedding planner anymore, <laughs> focused on just what they need to think about, okay? Then I think they also need to meet with a financial planner to see their income streams um, so that they know what their retirement needs are. And also they need to think about what they want to leave their off-farm kids if they've got any, which is quite often the most difficult part for them in terms of the homework that they have to take away. Because I don't have kids, but I imagine it would be hard to choose between them <laughs> who gets what. Um because everything being equal is never the right answer. Yeah. Um, so once we've had that, uh, and there's a few, and also, also importantly, we need to establish the time frame for the whole process, what the expectation is about from the first meeting, how long are we looking at in terms of um, for the whole process to be finalised and sort of a few timeline steps along the way. And obviously, as you can expect, these sort of succession plans can be pretty expensive. So it gives them a bit of an understanding of the costs that are involved as well. You've got accountants, you've got solicitors involved. As you know, it's high-level stuff, so it does cost a bit of money. Um, and also, 
another question that I like to ask is what their thoughts are on the viability of the farm for the incoming generation, which can be sometimes pretty amusing to get their viewpoint on like, oh, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing or she spends too much money and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but at least it gets it out of their chest and sort of in the air. And then generally I find that they they drop it then. Any little sort of small issue that they've got that they've held by releasing it out into the whole world, which is really just me and I don't write that down, it just sort of drops away and then they can move on a lot easier. Um, I'm sure I would have missed some of the things that we also discuss. Um, and then after that, we would probably meet with the incoming generation separately as well. Um, they generally have more to consider, I would say. Um, I would run through the structure with them. Depending on their level of involvement, they might not have ever really, they might not have a clue about how it all fits in together or they might have an idea but aren't technically correct about it. I think educating our clients about their structure is an important role that we should always be doing. And this gives us like a good opportunity to reinforce that with them. Um, and we also get to talk through the order of importance about um, what do they really want to get their hands on is a blunt way of putting it. Do they want control over the business or is it more about the land and why? What what are they concerned about? Uh, do they Are they worried about that they're going to have school fees that are upcoming and they want to make sure that they can afford that in the farm at the same time as paying out mum and dad? Do they have their own off-farm purchase ambitions? They might want to buy a house themselves. How does that all sort of fit in? And another thing that I sort of keep rolling with them is the idea that they're going to have to do this with the next generation and themselves as well. So you always reinforce that idea that succession is not just a once-off event, it's a an evolving process. And that makes the... I think it makes them a bit a bit more enjoyable for them because they have that sort of understanding of how it all sort of fits together. Um, and we also talk about what their current estate plans are as well and, you know, potentially what that could look like going forward. Um, and a key point out of those meetings is that everyone should have some sort of homework to do. You know, if it means you've got to go visit your financial planner or your farm advisor or make a decision on whatever it is, ensuring that everyone has something to do and has an expected time frame means that everyone feels like they're involved, they have ownership over the decision-making. Ultimately, it's a team effort at the end of the day where everyone has to contribute. Um, and then after that, we will then only look to have a joint meeting once all the issues that we've raised in the single meetings have been discussed, resolved and documented. So the last joint meeting generally, and it depends on the communication of the family, should be more of a rubber stamping meeting. By that I mean like, you know, this is what the older generation are look for, looking for. This is what the younger generation are looking for. We've come up with a sort of plan. What do you guys think about this? Does it actually meet both of your objectives? 
we'd be pretty sure that it would before we present it to them because we would have talked to each of them about it. But I think that keeping them as separate as long as possible is generally a good idea. But having said that, some families, you have a joint meeting first up and that could be because they blindside you with succession in a meeting the way you're talking about tax or something else boring and they go, oh, we want to talk about succession and you sort of seize the moment and that's when I'd probably just jump into the structure straight away and sort of roll with it and try and tick off as much as you can. Um, or some families that probably discussed it and I hope, I wish this was the case for everyone, they've discussed it behind the scenes without informing you about it so they already know what's going and they've got sort of a plan in place already. That makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I think <laughs> for everyone to sort of know their own scenario and then sort of pin the tail on the donkey, the farm being the donkey of how you want to sort of get it going. Yeah. As well. So to round this off, Simon, what's like one piece of farm advice to that you'd like people to take away from this that are, at the start of their journey in the middle or just about to round up, um, hopefully all successfully. So takeaway items. Yeah. I would say it seems to be a lot easier if you've got off-farm assets. So the more, and I know that I can, not everyone can afford to have off-farm assets because that's the world that we live in. But by having those off-farm assets, it makes the whole idea of, splitting the assets between farm and off as in the older generation has something that they can keep being their off-farm assets. It could be that their house that they want to eventually live in or an investment portfolio or a large super fund. Very helpful. Um, makes it a lot easier. It's also a lot easier to do this generally when debt levels are low, uh, which could be partly responsible why we've seen a bit of a surge because people have had good seasons, so hopefully they've paid off some debt. Um, it's a lot harder when they're at their lending limits. <laughs> um, but communication is key. And the more that you can discuss between yourselves, the better. But I would say that the more that you discuss with your accountant or any key advisor, the better as well. So always feel the free that you can contact your accountant to talk about this stuff. I would hope that they're chomping at the bit to help you as much as possible because ultimately that's our role. We want to help people. Um, so my advice for a farmer would be just to try and be as proactive with this as possible. And if they feel like they're, they have advisors who are not being as proactive as them, and maybe they need to find another advisor or just let them know of what their expectations are in terms of the time frame and how important it is to them would probably be my answer. Absolutely. Um, I think I think that's a good one. I I um need to pull myself up on saying absolutely in podcast more. I need to stop it. Um, but for that, I think finding the right advisors is pinnacle to successful succession. Um, taking you through with it. they they may be really great advisor, but may not suit your scenario. Um, so that might be something to look at um, rather than just sort of tending with whoever's local in your community, who your family's been with, stuck with right the way through 
um, is probably a good piece of farm advice as well. That's another th thing that we see is quite often the younger generation might see their family's advisor as being the older generation's advisor and not their own. They don't have that relationship that dad has with the consultant or the accountant that he's had for a long time. Um, in that situation, I would encourage them to feel free to seek their own advice. Um, I doubt that the the existing advisor should ever feel like uh, that they're being disloyal or anything like that. I think they'd probably see that as a good thing. Like I said before, it's a team effort. Yep. The more people involved, the easier it's going to be. And you get that difference of opinion and different ways of doing things. And yeah, I, th I think farmers generally are pretty good at seeking advice. Um, and I hope that continues with succession planning. Absolutely. And perfect way to go about this sort of episode to put it, give the farmers listening in, um, you've got a bit of homework to do now, whether you're at the start, the middle or the coming to the end of your succession, just to see um, maybe even rehash. I hope it was a good toggle for you. So for this episode, Simon, um, how can we contact you at Byfields? Uh, what's the best way to do that if we are looking to look for our advisors? Well, my first point of call would probably be the website. Um, we've been working quite a bit on our website recently. Um, I don't go on there enough as I probably should, <laughs> but um, there's plenty of contact details on there. Um, everyone's email address, I think even probably mobile phones now as well. Um, I would probably, well, firstly, feel free to give me a call. Um, Simon Boyd, I'm on the website in the Perth office. Um, even if you're from over east and you just want someone to get a, give you a different opinion, there's there's heaps of us at Biofields that will be chomping at the bit to try and help you out, um, almost to the point where we fight over getting to do the good work. <laughs> um, yeah, Biofields, we've been doing our combined experience over the years of dealing with this is astronomical, to be honest. Um, we're a large firm spread out across the state, so we're available to help everyone in different areas. Um, and with technology these days, um, we're not, you're not sort of resigned to just dealing with someone locally. Um, so please hop on the website. There's a lot of resources on there. I think there might even be some TV ads that we talk about succession. Hopefully all the links to your podcast as well. Um, and we've got a YouTube and which is good. The marketing team's done a lot of work recently. So um, I need to give them a pretty good plug for that. <laughs> Absolutely. So who, oh, I said it again, um, who are you throwing under the bus for the next episode? Uh, next up, we've got Brant Jansen. He's one of the directors in the Northern office. He's been at Biofields for, well, it's probably nearly 20 years, to be honest. I think he started when he was fresh into uni. I'm not sure what his topic is. He's probably still deciding on that one. It might have been a succession and I slipped in there and stole it from him. Probably doing <laughs> but, um, right now. Well, Simon Boyd, thanks for coming on to the Funds Advice podcast and passing on your own expertise. I think it's pretty important and more important because it was all about succession as well. Um, before you go, how's it looking over in WA leading into harvest time? Yeah, look, some areas are looking very good. Yep. And I'm always reluctant to say this, but some areas are looking a bit drier. 
and it will very much depend on the late range and the season. But um, ultimately, it's not going to be probably as good a season as the last two. And hopefully people don't have short memories and they realise it still could be a good year. Things are looking up. Well done. I just cut myself off saying the A word. Anyway, so I'll leave it there. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jack. Speak to you later. Cheers. This Farms Advice episode does not stop here. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. And even join our Facebook group. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag Farms Advice to your mates. If you can leave a review on Apple or Spotify, that will let other farmers find us too. But until then, see you next Tuesday. This conversation does not stop there. Follow Farms Advice on all of your socials. Share the episode with your mates. Like, comment, play out, subscribe. But until then, keep on farming and we'll see you next Tuesday.